Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a good episode. I'm continuing trial by jury. I'm talking about the jury oaths today. That section show people how important and obvious it is that jurors took an oath to do their conscience and to try to find justice, not to follow made-up technical bullshit rules government gave. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell them the truth about issues just like this, which they've probably never heard before. And certainly constitutional conservatives don't tell them. I'm also a self-certified master practitioner. I gave myself that award almost 20 years ago. And recently I uh, earned a Lifetime Achievement Award from myself for the great work I did with the podcasts. So, (laughs) all right, let's go ahead and get this show rolling. All right, so today I want to do another show on trial by jury. Lysander Spooner's fantastic essay. Because this essay is so, so important. See, the jury trial is just such a central piece of the rights we have and something that constitutional conservatives, they just ignore. They push this nonsensical idea that the jury trial is like the trial we have now with jurors. It just means that they have jurors. If you just have jurors to do what they do in today's trials, which is basically just a hand-picked, cherry-picked, absurdly skewed group of people who must agree that they will do whatever they're told to do by the government who's the judge in charge and will follow all these different government rules. That's not really a jury trial. The purpose of the jury trial was to make sure that the citizens themselves stood as the final line of defense against the insane tyranny of a government that believes it's in charge. See, if the people are in charge of the jury trials, then it doesn't make any damn difference what laws they pass because you can't get convictions on them. Only the people, through unanimous 12-person jury, can put somebody into a cage. And if you can't be put into a cage, then the law is meaningless. You don't have to worry about the law. It's not real. If you know that you're never going to be able to get a conviction, then the prosecutors themselves would go away. and We wouldn't have to worry about all this nonsense we have. A jury trial is supposed to be something that the people themselves decide. Is this the kind of law we want to uh, enforce? Is this really the kind of evidence we think is reasonable? Do we think these people are telling the truth? Not some technical matter of looking through obscure definitions and instructions that are dreamed up by state agents and government goons who sit on the bench. (laughs) It's idiotic. That's a kangaroo court. That's a show trial. That's what we have today and have had pretty much the entire time this country's run because the idea of a jury trial has been lost. And, of course, the constitutional conservatives never bring it up. But everybody should read Lysander Spooner's essay, Trial by Jury. It's not well known compared to his No Treason, but I think it's an even more important work, even though it's definitely more difficult. So I'm covering it all. And we're currently in Section 3, Oath of Jurors, and I'm going to read that. And this has a lot of different examples of jury oaths that were taken that he went through. The guy was just a fantastic scholar and did a tremendous amount of research. And it just shows that these jurors aren't sworn to do whatever the government tells them. It's utterly ridiculous. And, of course, I can't cover every detail that I've already covered in some of these earlier shows that he's already gone over. But let's look at some of these oaths that were given to jurors that he went back and found. And you'll see that it has to do with 
Jurors deciding whether or not somebody was guilty of something that should be punished. Not whether there was some technical violation of some made-up thing government wrote down, had possession of some substance that the government has decided to outlaw, (laughs) had your gun barrel sawed down too short, (laughs) all these made-up things, failed to comply with some regulation, had a bald eagle feather in their pocket, just just idiotic stuff that they make illegal. And the people uh, don't understand because they're so brainwashed. All right, so let's read some. The oaths that have been administered to jurors in England and which are their legal guide to their duty all, so far as I have ascertained, corroborate the idea that the jurors are to try all cases on their intrinsic merits independently of any laws that they deem unjust or oppressive. It is probable that an oath was never administered to a jury in England, either in a civil or criminal case, to try it according to law. The earliest oath I have found prescribed by law to be administered to jurors is in the laws of Ethelred about the year 1015. Think about that. The guy went back and pulled documents and information from 1015. (laughs) That's before William the Conqueror went in there. They require that the juror shall swear with their hands upon a holy thing that they will condemn no man that is innocent nor acquit any that is guilty. That's it. Not even on the Bible, just on a holy thing. (laughs) Think about that. See, it's all about making sure you're going to get justice. What is justice? What do the people consider to be a crime? What do they think needs to be punished? Not some technical violation. Oh, well, you were not wearing your mask. Well, so there's no one around. Oh, you went through that red light. You cruised through that stop sign. Well, it's three in the morning. There's nobody around. It's not a fucking crime. It's idiotic. See, so they had that. See, this is, that's what these oaths are all about. Blackstone assumes that this was the oath of the grand jury, but there was but one jury at the time this oath was ordained, and the institution of two juries, grand and petite, took place after the Norman Conquest. And, of course, Blackstone is just another one of these scams that gets pushed to try to make sure that the state, slowly over time, took over all these types of things. And so that's why he's quoted all the time. No different than the Federalist Papers are quoted all the time. See, the Federalist Papers are quoted all the time. And what are they quoted to show? They're almost always quoted to show that the Constitution's not being adhered to. <laughs> Instead of quoting the Anti-Federalists to show that the people who knew what was coming had predicted it all. And this scam is not some accident. It's exactly what was predicted. Let's go on. Hume speaking for the administration of justice in the time of Alfred, said that in every hundred, which was one of these types of courts, 12 freeholders were chosen who, having sworn together with the others or presiding magistrate of that division to administer impartial justice, proceeded to the examination of that cause which was submitted to their jurisdiction. That's all they did. They just proceeded to administer impartial justice. That's it. In Henry II's day, it was directed that the sheriff shall make 12 legal men from the neighborhood to swear that they will make known the truth according to their conscience. (laughs) They all have the same thing in common. See this? Here's another one who wrote half a century previous to the Magna Carta. Each of the knights summoned for this purpose as jurors ought to swear that he will neither utter that which is false nor knowingly conceal the truth. Here's another one. Reeve calls the trial by jury the trial by 12 men sworn to speak the truth. 
History of the English Law says, Henry says that jurors took a solemn oath that they would faithfully discharge the duties of their office and not suffer an innocent man to be condemned nor any guilty person to be acquitted. You see the common thread over and over? It's about justice. Isn't that what we're told? It's called a justice system. It's a totally and completely Orwellian name they've given it because what happens in those trials is so far from justice. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't tell you how many different types of trials I've had and and I've asked jurors afterwards, well, I don't understand. Why would you do that? Well, you know, that's what we had to do. And when you tell them some of the facts that were left out, they're like, oh, well, crap, we didn't know that. Or, oh, our hands were tied. And then the jurors come out and they find out what the actual result of their jury verdict was. Because in civil cases, in Texas, you're not even allowed to tell the jury the impact of their verdict. They just have to answer these questions, and then the judge determines whether or not the answers to those questions means who should or should not recover. It's idiotic. The jurors feel like they've been lied to when they come out. They're like, what the hell? We thought the other guy was going to win. That's why we answered him like that. Oh, no, no, no. All the fucking Ferengified horseshit rules. See that? That's what happens. It's supposed to be about justice. That's what the people are supposed to be there to do, not to comply with whatever technical horseshit there is. Here's another one in the common law, the mirror of justice. It is abuse to use the words to their knowledge in their oaths to make the jurors speak upon thoughts since the chief words of their oath be that they speak the truth. Smith, writing in the time of Elizabeth, says that in civil suits, the jury be sworn to declare the truth of that issue according to the evidence and their conscience. In criminal trials, he said, the clerk giveth the jury an oath to go uprightly betwixt the prince and the prisoner. <laughs> he just goes on and on with these examples. Hale says, Then twelve, and no less, of such as are indifferent in our returned upon the principal panel, are the tales are sworn to do the same according to the evidence. He just goes on. It appears from Blackstone that even at this day, neither in civil nor criminal cases are jurors in England sworn to try cases according to law. He says that in civil cases, the jury is sworn well and truly, to try the issue between the parties and a true verdict to give according to the evidence. Do you see where this is all going? See, it's not about what the law says. It's to make sure that justice is done. And all these laws that we have now, they're all designed to make sure that a very small, special group of people always gets exceptions and that the law can be interpreted in a million different ways, and it's all done by government. And that way, the people who they want to benefit, they do. And anybody can see that that's what actually happens in the world we have. A very special group of people, they just get exempted. Nothing ever happens to them. It doesn't matter what they do. They aren't going to get charged. They aren't going to prison. We all know it. You step the slightest bit out of bounds, boom, you're going to come down here you with a sledgehammer. Because they control this totally and completely rigged up legal system. Because they've completely and totally overtaken jury trials. Let's continue. No statute passed by a legislature, simply as a legislature, can alter either of these issues in hardly any conceivable case, perhaps in none. No unjust law could ever alter them in any way. They are all mere questions of natural justice, which legislatures have no power to alter, and with which they have no right to interfere, further than to provide for having them settled by the most competent and impartial tribunal that it is practicable to have, and then for having all just decisions enforced. Right. The government's supposed to be there to make sure that you can get a fair judicial hearing. That's what we're told. But see, it's all completely turned on its head because constitutional conservatives don't tell people about what a real jury trial is. They don't. They don't understand. Most of them probably just don't even know. 
But there are some who are lawyers, and they're just completely uh, contemptible human beings for continuing to keep people in the dark about this. Let's continue. And any tribunal, whether judge or jury, that attempts to try these issues has no more moral right to be swerved from the line of justice by the will of the legislature than by the will of any other body of men whatsoever. And this oath does not require or permit a jury to be so swerved. Right. I've said this all the time. This is the point of this idea that precedent, and they must follow. You have to do this. The jury has to do that. The judge has to do that. This is the way it must be interpreted. Oh, we're sorry it comes out like this. Oh, hard cases make bad law. All this made-up shit. See, all these made-up things. The only thing that ever matters is doing justice, the best possible justice in every case. That's what you're supposed to be entitled to. Not to have to have an outcome because some other case, some other time, had some other outcome that now you're somehow bound to because it's precedential. That's all made up crap for government to control us. And there's nothing in the Constitution whatsoever that makes any of this stuff true that we have to do any of this. Anybody should just go read Article 3 in the Constitution, see how short it is. It just says it's the supreme judicial authority. That's all. It just means you have a case, it runs all the way through, and the Supreme Court's the last place you could ever hear it. That's it. It doesn't mean that when it makes a ruling, everybody is bound to it. That's just not what it means. <laughs> uh, so silly. All right, let's continue on. Blackstone says the oath of the jury in England is... Well and truly to try and true deliverance make between our sovereign Lord, the King, and the prisoner whom they have in charge, and a true verdict to give according to the evidence. The issue to be tried in a criminal case is guilt or not guilt. The laws passed by legislatures can rarely, if ever, have anything to do with this issue. Guilt is an intrinsic quality of actions and can neither be created, destroyed, nor changed by legislation. And no tribunal that attempts to try this issue can have any moral right to declare a man guilty for an act that is intrinsically innocent at the bidding of a legislature any more than at the bidding of anybody else. It's not a criminal act unless there's some kind of attempt to do wrong to somebody. And that's why all these things like these drug laws, possession of a drug, so... There's nothing immoral, criminal about that. It's just something the legislature makes up. Having a bald eagle feather, there's nothing criminal about that. They actually now have what they call strict liability crimes for just violating some regulation. And most of the time when that happens, the only person who's complaining is the government itself. So basically they make acts that don't even have any bad intent, a crime, and they force the jury to convict by following this law, and they strike anyone who refuses to do that before they get on there. That's the scam the system is, that the legislature now has a situation where they can literally just write anything they want down. Oh, failing to wear a mask. That's crime. They just make it make that a crime. I know I'm not going to get into whether it's a mandate, it's a law, or a crime. It It doesn't make any difference. They could pass a law right now that said, if you're not wearing a mask, it's a criminal fine, and or they could put you in prison. They can easily do that. They do these types of things all the time. Jaywalking. That's crime now. It's absurd. If the street's empty, there's nobody on it. What do you mean you can't jaywalk? See, there has to be criminal intent. That's what the mens rea is. It's supposed to be a, a guilty mind, a bad mind, something where you're trying to do harm to somebody. There's a huge distinction between a civil violation and a criminal violation. You gotta have some kind of bad intention, and even on the civil side, you might have bad intention to commit fraud. It still doesn't turn it into a crime. 
It's so turned upside down the way they have juries running now that it's it's difficult to even explain to people because they've been so bombarded with propaganda their entire lives with TV shows and movies and court cases and, and fake fucking lawyer types in media uh, telling people about what's going on in a case and just the constant brainwashing that the jury is there to judge the facts and the, and the judge is there to give you the law and all this shit. That's not the way it's supposed to work. The jury is supposed to decide both. And if you don't have that, then you have a complete and total kangaroo court. It is a show trial where the government is controlling it. And that's what we have now. Government controls who makes the law, who interprets the law, who gets arrested for the so-called violation they gather, the so-called evidence. Then the court, which is more government, decides who can sit to hear the case, what evidence can come in, tells the jury what instructions they have to have, gives them definitions, strikes anybody off the jury who won't agree to any of these rules, won't agree to follow the judge. So it's not surprising that the state wins all these cases and everybody has to plead out. You see that? Let's continue. The words, according to the evidence, have doubtless been introduced into the above oaths in modern times. They are unquestionably in violation of the common law and of the Magna Carta. If by them be meant such evidence only as the government sees fit to allow to go to the jury. If the government can dictate the evidence and require the jury to decide according to that evidence, it necessarily dictates the conclusion at which they must arrive. Right! There's no way around that. If evidence is excluded that you would like to get in, then there's no way you can get a fair trial. In Texas, you're not allowed to tell someone who's in an auto case wreck that the person sitting at that defendant's bench over there is not the little old lady. It's State Farm or Allstate. You're not allowed to tell them that it's insurance company that's defending this. You're not allowed to. <laughs> it's just, the juries feel completely and totally betrayed after the case and they find that out. Because almost every time it's like, well, we assumed that they'd already collected because having auto insurance is mandatory in the state. So everyone just assumes that they have auto insurance. And then they find out they didn't. And they're like, what? Yeah, because you're not allowed to tell them. See, because that's not allowed to come into evidence. And you can have all sorts of other things, so-called evidence. Look at the uh, experts on Twitter, right, that they strike. They strike them out. They ban them, right? They say it's not science. They're not following the science, right? But there's no actual hearing on it. That's the exact same kind of thing that can happen in a case, right? The judge can just strike your expert. Oh, he's not an expert. Didn't pass a Daubert challenge. He's not allowed to testify. So you don't get to bring your evidence in. So the only evidence that would come in would be the state's evidence, from their so-called expert. Only Dr. Fauci gets to testify. You don't get to bring in another doctor to counter that because they struck yours. He wasn't an expert. You see how that controls the trial? So that's just one way they control the trial. So many other ways, the rules of evidence and motions and exist. It's endless. The government's in charge of everything. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, people. See, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The people themselves sitting as a jury are supposed to decide what kinds of acts that they see people being accused of with what kind of evidence they see being brought to them is something that they do or do not want to punish. If they don't trust the cops, they just not guilty. And they just say, oh, we don't believe cops. Not guilty. <laughs> That's it. If they think the law is crap, they just say not guilty. I don't care that the guy did everything in there and so-called technical violation of the law. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was watching one of those Nicolas Cage movies about the stupid Constitution, Keitel being the cop. I don't care if you, uh, you know, did this or didn't do that. It never matters to him, right? You kidnapped the president. No, he didn't. 
No, he didn't. The president has no interest in prosecuting. I would never be able to tell him why you do. You don't have to be able to tell him. You can just tell him, look, it's not a crime. It's between me and him. That's all. But see, that doesn't come in. What happens is the whole system moves along with these so-called rules and these prosecutors who are supposed to be bound to do justice, but they don't. They don't. All they're doing is is pushing this complete and total load of shit, which is a state-run scam. And then how do they get around the idea they're doing justice? Well, because the courts themselves have interpreted that pushing this one-sided load of shit scam is so-called doing justice. And nobody's allowed to challenge it because the only people who get to stand in judgment of it are the government employees called judges. See, it's just 100% a scam, top to bottom. It's not a freedom machine. Let's continue. In that case, the trial is really a trial by the government and not by the jury. The jury cannot try an issue unless they determine what evidence shall be admitted. The ancient oaths that will be observed say nothing about according to the evidence. They obviously take it for granted that the jury try the whole case. And of course, that they decide what evidence shall be admitted. It would be intrinsically an immoral and criminal act for a jury to declare a man guilty or to declare that one man owed another man money unless all the evidence were admitted which they thought ought to be admitted for ascertaining the truth. Right. So you can't go down this road of saying, well, they didn't get to see that evidence. Maybe this evidence should have come in. Oh, he made a mistake. He should have allowed that in. <laughs> it's always the judge making decisions. And you got to hope that you can take it to appeal, which means going to yet another government level and hoping that that government level says that you got screwed and that you should have had your evidence put in there. Well, how does that help you? If the government's in charge of deciding what evidence comes in that the government can use to convict you, how the hell can you win? If the government decides what evidence you can't bring in and excludes it, how the hell are you going to win? They give the government endless exceptions to the hearsay rule and just allow all these made-up documents that the government just writes down just to come in. Most of the time, it's, it's a rebuttable presumption, and sometimes it's so strong, it's basically an irrebuttable presumption. In other words, once it's in, you just can't do anything about it. So we've all seen all the movies. We all know what happens. If they just create some fake shit and they call it a record, they bring it in, it's coming in. It's <laughs> because the government decides. This is why you have to have the jury doing it all. See, this is why you have to have the jury doing it all. If jurors are bound to enforce all laws passed by the legislature, it is a very remarkable fact that the oath of grand jurors does not require them to be governed by the laws in finding indictments. There have been various forms of oath administered to grand jurors, but none of them that I can recollect or ever have seen, except for in the states of Connecticut and Vermont, are there sworn to present men according to law. The English form is given in the essay of grand juries written nearly 200 years ago, which would be 350 years ago now, and supposed to have been written by Lord Summers is as follows. You shall diligently inquire and true presentment make all of such articles, matters, and things as shall be given you in charge, and all other matters and things as shall come to your knowledge touching this present service. The king's counsel, your fellows, and your own, you shall keep secret. You shall present no person for hatred or malice, neither shall you leave anyone unpresented for favor or affection, for love or gain, or for any hopes thereof. But in all things you shall present the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, to the best of your knowledge, so help you God. This form of oath is doubtless quite ancient, for the essay says our ancestors appointed it. <laughs> you see that? It's all about doing justice. It's not about technical rules. 
And our justice system is nothing but a bunch of bullshit made up technical rules that all get made with these presidential things and these made up statutes and these made up evidentiary rules and these made up interpretations of, of made up rules that the government has. That's all it is. So the thing is 100% controlled and concocted now. Let's continue. On the obligations of this oath, the essay says, if it be asked how or in what manner the jury shall inquire, the answer is ready according to the best of their understandings. They only, not the judges, are sworn to search diligently to find out all the treason, etc., within their charge, and they must and ought to use their own discretion in the way and manner of their inquiry. No directions can legally be imposed upon them by any court or judges. An honest jury will thankfully accept good advice from judges as their assistants, but they are bound by their oaths to present the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to the best of their own, not the judge's knowledge. Neither can they, without breach of that oath, resign their consciences or blindly submit to the dictates of the others, and therefore ought to receive or reject such advices as they judge them good or bad. Nothing can be more plain and express than the words of the oath are to this purpose. You see, the deal is that, sure, you might have someone who is an expert in a so-called law who might help you, give you some advice about how, you know what, this is kind of a helpful way to look at that. This would be kind of our experience with these kinds of things as far as evidence being trustworthy or not. But it's up to each person to decide who's on there. And that's why the system works so well. It's why it's such a tremendous barrier to tyranny. Because if you have 12 people taken at random, you're not going to get a unanimous decision on that <laughs> if they are just sitting there listening. Good luck going and finding any 12 people you can get to agree to anything. It is very, very difficult. Very difficult. And the only reason it happens so much on juries is, like I said, because the jurors themselves have been selected out. They're excluded and restricted for a million fucking reasons that the state wants. So that all you really have is people on there who will just agree to believe whatever a cop and a judge and the government says. And if you don't agree to do that, for the most part, you're just not going to be on there. That's why people have to plead out. And that's why this extortion system called the criminal justice system can run on. Because the prosecutors have absolutely no personal liability, neither do the judges, neither do any of the cops, neither do the investigators working for the state. Nobody has any liability except the defendant. That's it. Nobody else has any liability. You're not even risking anything. And then you just have this rigged up kangaroo system. And what the hell's going to happen? You're screwed. <laughs> You're completely screwed. All right, let's finish this up because this section's almost over. The jurors need not search the law books nor tumble over heaps of old records for the explanation of them. Our greatest lawyers may from hence learn more certainly our ancient law in this case than from all the books in their studies. The language wherein the oath is penned is known and understood by every man. And the words in it have the same signification as they have wheresoever else they are used. The judges, without assuming to themselves a legislative power, cannot put a new sense upon them other than according to their genuine common meaning. They cannot magisterially impose their opinions upon the jury and make them forsake the direct words of their oath to pursue their glosses. The grand inquests are bound to observe alike strictly every part of their oath and to use all just and proper ways which may enable them to perform it. Otherwise, it were to say that after men had sworn to inquire diligently after the truth, according to their best of their knowledge, they were bound to forsake all the natural and proper means which their understanding suggests for the discovery of it, if it be commanded by the judges. Bingo. 
And he's citing Lord Summers' essay on grand juries. And the reality on all this is that when you create all these fake definitions that nobody knows what the hell they are, and they put them into these criminal statutes, and they say that meaning to do something is something that's described as something that nobody thinks is meaning to do it, and then they put that issue in front of the jury, and they say, well, see, he did do that, even though that's not what people actually understand to mean that. But it doesn't matter because that's what the court says this means. See, when you start changing the definitions, like in 1984, which is what they do in the legal system, well, then you can just make any and every kind of action into a so-called criminal event because that's what the definition is under the legislative meaning. Well, you've just taken it completely and totally outside of what a crime is supposed to be. You've taken it completely and totally outside of what justice is. That's why so many people can just get trapped up in the system because the system is complete scammery. Let's finish this last section. It's one more paragraph. What is here said so plainly and forcibly of the oath and obligations of grand juries is equally applicable to the oath and obligations of petite juries. In both cases, the simple oaths of the jurors and not the instructions of the judges, nor the statutes of kings, nor legislatures are their legal guides to their duties. Yes. See, that's the whole thing, is that if you're supposed to have a trial and we're supposed to be having the people in charge, which is what we're told, people are in charge of the government. If the people aren't in charge of the trial, then the people aren't in charge of the government. And that's just the bottom line. If you don't control the trial, then anything and everything can be turned into a crime or some kind of civil action where the government can just come sue you and take your shit because everything else is 100% controlled by government. If this is not clear to people, I don't know what can ever make it clear. And if people can't start seeing how huge this problem is and how important this right to an actual jury trial is, there's nothing else I can say about it. There's nothing else I can say. If you can't understand that the people themselves aren't in charge of deciding what a crime is and what should be punished criminally in their area and how to affix different kinds of civil penalties and civil awards to people according to what the community believes and that's what a jury is supposed to be about, well, then there's no way to explain it. If you're just one juror, then you only represent about 8% of the population, right? About 8%. You divide 100 by 12, you get about, what, 8 and a quarter or something like that, right? Something like 8.33 or some crap. I don't know what it is. But when you're voting for the so-called representatives and all this shit, if you represent only 8.6% or 8.33%, you're not going to win you're going to lose. Your representative's never going to be in there. So you're not going to have any actual representation in the legislature. You see that? The jury is there to make sure that the minorities themselves are all protected, not just some of them. So if you get one person on jury and they say, nah, I don't think so, not guilty. Well, that's it. Whatever this law is, it doesn't get enforced there. You see, that's the protection, is that these, these concepts of government, they need to be expanded out by people and to understand that the jury is the final line of defense. It's part of the government. The way the rubber meets the road in laws is through trials. And the way the trials conducted is with the people as jurors. And as soon as you give the government the control they have now and you take it out of the hands of the people, which is the jury, well, then you no longer have a government of by and for the people because minorities have literally no representation at all.
And of course, what their goal is, what they do is they divide everybody up so that everybody's basically a minority in a million different ways on so many issues. There's absolutely no way to pick a representative. Oh, he's pro-guns, but he's anti-abortion. Well, you're pro-guns, but you're in favor of abortion, or you're anti-guns and you're pro-abortion. It doesn't make any difference unless it completely syncs up on all the thousands and thousands of kinds of issues the government claims to have a right to uh, pass legislation on, then you don't actually have a representative. All you do is just pick all kind of the best among the shitty choices. And that's not what it's supposed to be about. If all we could do is get people to understand the power of the jury, then it wouldn't matter whether or not they want to pass all these stupid laws. It just wouldn't matter because they wouldn't be enforceable. And everybody would know those, those laws, don't, they don't get enforced. They're just made up. It's just bullshit. Nothing's going to happen. You're never going to get conviction. Okay, if you knew that, then you're fine. Right, you're fine. And you're never, ever, ever going to get drug convictions if you had actual jurors. Well, they strike everybody off the jury, right? They pass these fake drug laws and then they say, oh, now you can't be on a jury because you're a convicted felon. So they create fake laws, convict people of these fake laws, and then the more people they convict these fake laws, it's just more people that they can't sit on jurors. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. They strike so many people off jury panels for not trusting cops, not believing in drug laws, you know, not believing in these ridiculous gun laws or tax laws or all these made-up things. And instead of people seeing that, whoa, hold on, this is rigging the jury. This is the government rigging the jury in their favor. The people imagine this is law and order and justice because the constitutional conservatives lie to them every single day. And so does media with these fake fucking shows about fake justice. <laughs> it's just fake as hell. But hopefully people can start to see the pieces, right? Hopefully they can see the way this would actually work and how unbelievably effective it would be. It's really the only thing we need to get the word out on in order to fight a tremendous holding action against this insane tyranny while we can then enlighten people as to the other problems with government. But this right here would be a firewall the government couldn't get through if we can just get enough people to understand it. So, so that's it. That's the only section I'm going to read today. And because it's important just to understand how far back these traditions go, because if you don't have these traditions, if this is not what it's about, then it's nothing but a sham show trial. That's all. It's just other, but a show trial. And that's what we have now. We have show trials. Uh, you know, they're better than just a totally complete fake trial, but they're not much better. And there's a lot of times you'd actually get a better trial from a judge, certain kinds of judges, than you would off pulling a jury uh, in light of the way they pull juries. Not if you pulled a real jury and had a real jury trial, but the juries are so rigged up now, so screwed up, that you can actually get a better deal from some judges in some jurisdictions <laughs> than just putting it to the citizens, which is just, I think, how insane and upside down that is. That's crazy. So, all right, well, that's it. That's it for this section. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I just love this essay. It's such an important issue, and I want to thank the people in Patreon who support my show. I know they support my show um, for a lot of reasons, uh, mostly because they respect the time I spend and the value I bring and how much time and money I've spent myself getting this information and making the show. And I, I think they understand that it makes a difference. And if everybody heard this show, if we had everybody in the country heard the quash, we'd get a huge number, millions and millions and tens of millions of people would be swung over to our side. And that would be enough. Uh, that would be enough for there to be huge change. People want to know how you get change? That's how you get change. You support my show and let's see if we can get it more out there. That's how you actually get change.
So thank you to those people in Patreon who put their money where their mouth is. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review. I don't know what's going to happen now that Musk has bought it. Uh, I don't think it's going to get worse. I think it'll probably get better. I mean, the guy's obviously, you know, he's an insider. But, you know, it'd be hard to make that platform more screwed up than they did intentionally over the last five years and just, just absolutely tightened it down. I'm already seeing a little bit of change just in the way the things that pop up in my Twitter feed. I'm just seeing some changes. So hopefully it'll be uh, significantly more open. It was so much better six, seven years ago. So much better. And then they just crimped it down so bad. It wasn't such a ridiculous echo chamber before. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens. So hopefully, you know, people come over there. And no new update on the movie. That's The Jones Plantation. I play Mr. Jones, the allegory written by Larkin Rose about chattel slavery to debt slavery. It's coming out this fall, and I think it's going to really, really be good. I hope people will support that project because that project needs to make money. People need to buy the movie, watch the movie, share the movie when it comes out because when it comes out, and I've seen a couple of clips now, it's going to, I think it's going to be really entertaining. But when it comes out, if, if it makes money, then they'll make more movies like that. That's their bottom line. So, all right, well, I think that's it for today. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man.